It's time to take a look at another independent record label. This is our initiative on Three is the Magic Number to talk about independent labels, what we like. And this week it's an absolute doozy in the form of Alcapop. This man playing underneath me right now is a song from the self-styled DIY feminist queer punks problem patterns with a song called not save is from their upcoming debut album released later in 2023 and no less a legend than kathleen hannah formerly bikini kill and the recently reformed Matigra, said and i quote i love problem patterns weird music right now that sounds like no one else and i'm addicted i don't know about you matt but i'm not stupid enough to disagree with kathleen hannah certainly not in public lord uh, no i would never lord with no her. <laughs> Alcopop themselves are a label with a fascinating history. It's safe to say label owner Jack Clothier, who works alongside Kevin Douche from Big Scary Monsters as well on the label. But Jack is a bit of an underground legend himself, I think it's fair to say. Uh, yeah. Some of the stunts that Alcopop have pulled. They once sold a single by a band called Screaming Maldina, which came with its own custom-made fixie bike like a pedal bike. <laughs> they collaborated with Shikari Sound System in 2015 to release a seven-inch single titled The Wit and Wisdom of Nigel Farage. And the single, of course, was completely silent, quite possibly the best troll by a record label to the odious leader of a farcical political party in the history of modern music. And Alcopop has a fascinating history. They formed at the back of a small loan from Jack's father that was gambled on a Charlton versus Portsmouth match and from those winnings they I don't Matt's just raises eyebrows I don't think he knew that the gamble paid off and they used that money to fund the first single they're brilliant but it's not just fun and games with Alcopop their roster includes the likes of Racket Cannon pulled apart by horses Tellison I told you I would eat you DC Death Race false advertising Kississippi Johnny Foreigner Tiger Cub and the subways to name a few crikey tell me you love Alcopop as much as I do Matt I adore Alcopop and I adore Jack the handsome British Viking that he is. Yeah. Uh, yes, Jack's and wonderful. And, and Kev. Kev, yes. Jack is wonderful. And do you know what? Problem patterns are great. I have a problem with the pattern Burberry, though. But that's something for a different podcast, Renfrey. That's something for a different <laughs> podcast. <laughs> so check out Alcapop and all their wares at their website, ilovealcapop.co.uk. A quick little uh, bit of administration next week matt's away matt's on holiday next week so oh, yeah we we've decided to take the route of recording matt's responses to whatever i say to next week's label ad now so um if we could record these in the next 30 seconds or so and then yeah. i will edit them in next week so sure. um off you sure. go matt wow that you're right that is huge <laughs> whoa easy there Renfrey. i wouldn't go that far no you're totally right that is an amazing label hurrah isn't music bloody great <laughs> well look forward to that next week it's a fun editing challenge magic number the show where we get on guests to talk about their top three favorite things and a subject of their choosing my name is Renfrey Dedman and joining me as always is Captain Listicles himself Mr. Matthew Hughes how are you Matt? Hi I'm good thanks I uh, have hurt as I said to you earlier I've hurt my little finger and, oh goodness um, me um it's uh, yeah I got it caught on my sofa bed 
uh, look, look at me. What do I think I am? Some kind of prince or a king of Persia <laughs> with my sofa uh, that's also a bed. Um, and um, yeah, it's it's is subsiding the pain a little bit. And I'm being a brave little soldier, but it is irritating me just slightly. How are you, rent free? I'm good. I have to be honest with you, Matt. As as sympathetic, please, Lord, please do. As sympathetic as I am towards your plight with your little. Your little finger. Mm-hmm. The coolest thing that's happening in your house at the moment is you currently have a tortoise roaming around your home. We do. It's true. Me and my wife gave birth to a tortoise. No, we borrowed <laughs> uh, a small dinosaur-like creature, a tortoise called, yeah. called Vinny, but uh, she is a she. Uh, so she is running the house downstairs at the moment, and um, my children veer somewhere between fearing her. Uh, and also <laughs> being worried about every single step they take, lest they put oh, their foot through the shell of this beautiful little creature. Me. That'd be awful because you've you've borrowed this tortoise as well. Is yes. this one of these? Is this one of these places where you go? Lone a tortoise. Borrow. Yeah, it's lone, lone a tortoise. <laughs> yeah. Oh eight nine one fifty fifty lone a tortoise. No, it's um, it's one of my eldest daughter's friends. Uh, she's going on holiday, and we. Well, my, oh, wife, okay. my wife basically said, yeah, we'll look after your tortoise. Uh, <laughs> so we've got the tortoise cool. for a few days. That's awesome. Yeah. Having a tortoise as a pet is so cool. I, rest, I read uh, SEO Trot a lot growing up, uh, the Roald Dahl book. Yeah. So yeah, Robin, my daughter, adores that book. Adores that book. Yeah. So I think that's kind of been the motivation for her to to have it uh you know she's ah, kind of wanted a pet for a very long time so this is a little bit like a trial run that ultimately will lead to the disappointment of us saying no <laughs> but hey she, at least she gets the trial run anyway it's yeah. a shame that she has to find out through the medium of this podcast i know she checks go. this podcast um, out every week just like <laughs> half of england yeah yeah i bet yeah. on this week's show we sat down with radio one dj nels hilton Nels has been presenting BBC Radio 1's Future Alternative show since April 2022, which features the best future rock and guitar tracks, including pop punk, alt rock, new metal and rap rock. At least that's what it says here on the BBC website. And Nels stayed pretty on brand for this episode, I think. Sometimes our guests take the opportunity to talk about something very different from what they do in their normal work life and something that they're passionate about. But Nels went straight to... Actually, he gave us a couple of suggestions, didn't he? he I think did. you said to him. He did. Yeah, we yeah, poo-pooed yeah. So, all uh, and said, stick to your lane, Nels. Stick <laughs> to your lane. Yeah. So, no, actually, I don't want to I don't want to misrepresent him, actually. So, they were okay. But, but yes, yes, I think you stepped in and went, yeah, we just do albums. But and, and, and he has gone. His choice is his top... <laughs> Can top you tell? Three. I've just forgotten. His top three. His top, <laughs> top three. Yeah. His top three mm-hmm. alternative albums of the noughties. The noughties. The reason. The reason I I stopped there uh, during that, during the conversation. Uh, I mean, you'll hear it in a minute. Matt picks me up on getting the uh, wording of it slightly wrong, so I just panicked. Had a mild panic there. Hence, I stopped. But yes, top three alternative albums of the noughties. That's mm. correct, isn't it? It's it's it effectively. Is. I mean, Nels explains this far better than I can anyway. But it's effectively a roadmap of how. Nell's got into alternative music and has gone onto the position that he's on now where he's playing all of the best awesome new future sounds in pop punk and alt rock and yeah i mean he's ex- he's an so. exciting tastemaker he's an exciting young alternative voice tastemaker he's you know oh he's young oh we got into that a bit <laughs> oh boy yeah. boy oh boy he's young yeah. so look without any further ado for any further of ado without any please everybody 
without any further of ado, do please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's get into this chat with Nels Hilton on his top three alternative albums of the noughties. Well, despite the fact that all three of the people on this Zoom chat are living in the south of our glorious capital city of London town, we're all on Zoom and uh, we come to you (laughs) from Zoom, which seems a little bit of a silly technological thing to instill into this chat, but hey, this is how we've done it. And I'm very happy to welcome onto Three is the Magic Number, Nels Hilton. How are you doing, Nels? Hey, mate. I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm very, very well. It's very, very nice to have you on this chat. I've not met you before, but it's an absolute pleasure to meet you. You've been doing the Future Alternative show on uh, on BBC Radio 1 for quite some time now, and that seems to be going really amazingly well. Yeah, um, so I've been doing Future Alternative since about April 2022, and it's been a dream come true. You know, I get to shine a light on some artists that I never thought I'd be even, even be able to talk about. And the fact that I get to do that and call it my job is insane. So, yeah, loving it, living the dream for sure. On such a massive platform as well. It's uh, like mm. it's it's an, like, it's an incredible opportunity to be given. And like, I'm very stoked for you. That's really, really, really cool, man. You must know Matt through uh, through work, I'm assuming. Is that correct? Yeah, Matt surprised me with some of the best tunes that I play on the show. So I'm <laughs> very, very is. grateful for him. Oh, Here he is. Thanks, Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so talk to us about um, your choices. You have gone for your top three alternative albums. So very much keeping on brand. Uh, you've decided to do which is fine which that's cool but did it take you some time to come up with your choices when uh, when we approached you with this question just to amend that Renfrey it is top three alternative albums of the noughties I am so sorry top three alternative albums of all time of Mm -hmm. the noughties that's the zero zeros to the yeah. layman you were right to interrupt me i do apologize yes. thank you yes. yes indeed no so um it did take me a little bit of time to come up with and that was mainly because and i think matt was very right to put the caveat of the noughties in there thank as you. well because yep. i feel like <laughs> it's the only real decade i can speak of like in retrospect because i was born in 1996 so I can't really oh God, talk. Goodness, I know. Yes. I'm sorry. Jesus I'm sorry. Christ, I was I was twenty. <laughs> yeah, I can't really talk about the nineties like in terms of alternative music because I wasn't really there for it. Even though I've gone back and listened in retrospect, it's still not the same. I grew up listening to these records and they mean a lot to me. So that's why I settled on these three. Um the first one being Lincoln Park Meteora. And that was because it was the real rabbit hole moment for me. You know, I remember coming home from school one day, putting on the hits uh, music channel. I think I was about seven years old, maybe. And I remember seeing the video for From the Inside. Mm. And from then I knew I was like, wow, okay, this is what I love. This is something that I really enjoy. And I really want to, you know, take this further. Wow. So, seven seven years old. That is yes. impressively young, Nels. Yeah. At seven years old, I was listening to literally anything my parents put on in the in the car, <laughs> which was basically Dire Straits and, Honestly, and Fleetwood Mac, which is what we were just talking about before, Renfrey. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it was very much definitely a um 
like a complete accident that I've ended up here, but I'm grateful <laughs> for that accident. Do you know what I mean? Can I ask what that was? Can it, like what was what was the path? What was your what was your pathway to discovering this album? For well, that that was it. Like putting on the hits um, music show, like the hits right, music channel right. on TV, and seeing Lincoln Parks from the inside on that channel. And then I went out and bought Meteora with like my pocket money. And then from there, <laughs> after that, I went back and brought Hybrid Theory. And then from there, I was just like hooked into alternative music. So for me, it's a very special gateway album. And I think it's a very important album. And I, I see why they've reissued the album because it's so important to so many people. And I think marking 20 years of that is so special. So mm. yeah, it has to be in, in my top three albums of the noise. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I mean, you've sort of already said that. I mean, you've pointed out the fact that you're, you're 11 years my junior and uh, well, I won't say I won't say how how many years. There's no need. There's no need. There's no need. There's no need. Absolutely no need. Oh, but um, I can absolutely. I mean, it's incredible that you were getting into this music at such a young age. That's really, really, really cool. But what was your experience when when Linkin Park came along for you, Matt? You're a more hardened, older, cynical. Oh, <laughs> Goodness me! What was Coming it? along, just... you make them sound like they were like doing a milk round, and they knocked on the door, and they were like, "Hey, how's it going?" I just want to—I want to know your views on Linkin Park at the time. I want to know what, how you responded to them. I loved them. I thought they were—I mean, I—I I wasn't working music, so uh, when this came out, so it was before all of that, and I was definitely into sort of heavier music than Linkin Park and 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 kind of hip hop, but. Um, hybrid theory especially i was i was sold like straight away the videos were great the singles were were great i think there's often like a little bit of a kind of criticism towards them in the sense of they're a major label band and they're a rock band but some people say they're not heavy enough or mm. you know or whatever but that, it, it doesn't matter i mean the, the they totally hit the nail on the head i think those singles especially the first two records i mean they did loads of good stuff afterwards but those first two records the singles are just insane right i mean yeah really good band really good record i think hybrid theory uh, hybrid theory is the album that i'm more familiar uh, of these first two and actually i'm going to confess to you nels when you chose this, I had to go back. I had to listen to it. And I think it's the first time I've ever sat down and listened to Meteora. I'm going to be totally honest with you. I got Hybrid Theory, I think the day after it came out. And the reason I remember that is that it happened to be my mum's birthday. And um, I remember she was like, I, you know, I asked her if I could get this album. She was like, it's my birthday. You're meant to be buying me something. But anyway, that's why I remember that. And I remember absolutely caning this record just listening to it over and over and over and over again and I really enjoyed it for like a couple of months and then I sort of just went on to other things and discovered other stuff and by the time Meteora came out I kind of had my fill of Linkin Park so mm. as a result of that I'd never actually listened to this album in full and I've got to say I think I like Linkin Park more now as a 38 year old cynical old man <laughs> than I did back then weirdly I, I was I was surprised at how much because I, I'll, I'll be totally honest with you prior I, I would not describe myself as a Linkin Park fan but this record I th had some 
really cool stuff on it which i was really quite surprised by um i really enjoyed like somewhere i belong and faint and i mean i'm talking breaking the habit these are all the singles and stuff and songs that i vaguely recognize but i'd never heard them all as a part of this record and Mm -hmm. as this package and i enjoyed it much much more than i expected to much more than i expected to but yeah having coming from it as, as a slightly older guy i guess i was 18 when meteora came out and you know I, I i was kind of out of the music game a little bit so yeah i just didn't as, as massive as this album is i've never actually got around to listening to it but i really enjoyed it and certainly that that thing that they were trying to do of creating new metal music but with insane pop hooks i mean you know it really was a hybrid of the two it you know it's a bit uh, nail on the head the, the way that they've done that but it, I can't think of a better album to encapsulate those two things, really, than, than Hybrid Theory or Meteora. You know, the, it does that job incredibly well. You know, I think that the two albums can go hand in hand as some of the best new metal slash alt rock albums ever written. But I'd also like to consider um, Minute, Minutes to Midnight as well mm. as one okay. of those records. I think the, the first few records they ever made, really shaped their identity and really showed you know how great they could be as a band but you know like minutes to midnight working with rick rubin and taking a, a completely different approach to their, their their first two records but it's still having you know the heavy roots it's still you know being able to go down different roads that you don't necessarily expect it to the same way like meteora does you know mm. um for instance one of my favorite tracks on Meet Your is Nobody's Listening because it's nothing like you've heard on a rock record before. And we we don't know how much that's to credit of maybe, you know, Shinoda or Chester or, you know, any of the other guys. So mm. seeing them do their thing and just do it at a consistently high level was incredible to see and so important i think as a young rock fan to have a such a strong and consistent gateway if that makes sense yeah i think one thing i mean obviously lincoln park have their detractors there's no getting around that a band as big as this are always going to have detractors but luke morton of kerrang who's i don't think he was editor at the time but he's now the editor of kerrang he once said that uh, it's not hyperbolic to say that hybrid theory is one of the most important rock albums of all time i think if you look back on what's happened with rock music and how genres have been not abolished but sort of the boundaries have blurred i don't think hybrid theory and meteora and lincoln park were solely responsible for that but i'm sure they helped with that whole thing yeah i mean i I think it's interesting that obviously the 90s is kind of where I swam in the pool of my musical growth, um, you know, so to speak. And at that time, alternative culture and alternative music was really incredibly mainstream, not in terms of Mm. sound necessarily, but just in terms of that's kind of what people were into, what people were kind of, you know, moving towards from film as well as books and music and stuff. And, And I think what's impressive about Linkin Park is that, they kind of released this, this was sort of the last time when something genuinely alternative, I know it was on Warner Brothers and I know that has pop hooks, but you know, what they were singing about, what they were talking about, the way they presented themselves, some of the genres that they were kind of mixing together, some of the artists that they toured with, you know, it was coming from this alternative place. I think it's the the last time that I can think of, you know, kind of post that new metal boom, 
where that alternative culture became mainstream and just the average Joe on the street would go and buy that record because he loved the songs on the, on the radio that he heard or he would go, you know, watch them play live, which I, you know, as someone that works in rock, as you both do as well, I, I kind of always like to celebrate those moments, you know? Yeah. I'm really hoping it happens with Turnstile. I, I I know we're not quite there yet, but I'm gonna I'm, have to I'm, sell a lot more records. Oh, they they do, but 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 I but I I think I think if anyone has a shot at that, I I don't know. I think Turnstar maybe I don't know. That's not a prediction, but I hope it happens. Um, this is the best-selling debut album of the 21st century. An, an off-trotted out fact, but you know it is, and that is absolutely incredible. And to give Linkin Park their dues, they worked darn hard at it. I found a little fact, and it was on Wikipedia, but I checked the source and it was Rolling Stone, and I can't find the actual issue of Rolling Stone, but I'm going to go with it if if Rolling Stone's the source. Uh, Apparently, in the March 14th, 2002 issue of Rolling Stone, it says that Linkin Park played 324 shows in 2001. In a year? In a year. That's crazy. Isn't that insane? Oh, my God. Now, as I said, found it on Wikipedia, but the source says Rolling Stone, so I'm going with it. That's mad. There's only 365 days in the bloody year. Mm -hmm. So they basically, you know, they they, they played, what, they had a month off? And and every single day, if that, it's absolutely crazy. Because you've got to factor in travel time where, you know, they're traveling to and from getting home as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're not, yeah. And and sleep. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And eating. And you know the birth of children or birthdays and stuff. Um, so where did, as a seven-year-old that just sort of got into this, discovered this? Mm-hmm. Where did you kind of go? Was that the sort of start of your interest in alternative music? Yeah, I'd, I'd say that was the start. Um, it kind of popped for a few years, from about seven till like eleven, because I couldn't really get into music like that. Like I dabbled in, you know, your Blink One Eighty Twos and your Green Days and like your All American Rejects and things like that, right? Mm-hmm. But then um, I'd say it really ramped up in 2007 once I had started secondary school. That that wasn't a jab either, I promise. <laughs> but yeah, once <laughs> once I started once I started secondary school and um, Riot was released by Paramore, that was almost like a second gateway because Paramore are, like are my favorite band and have been my favorite band from then until now, you know. And Riot was such an important record, I think, for them. It was their breakthrough. Um, it was important for so many teenagers. I think, you know, Riot really was a platform that allowed the band to go and do different things. It allowed them to go and be a part of the Twilight soundtrack. It allowed them to go and be a part of, you know, like Reading and Leeds Festival, second and third down, and then ultimately headlining in 2014. So, you know, Riot for me was amazing. And I- I'm going to talk about Before Their Rise as well. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, Riot has a very special place in my heart. And then even then, going back and listening to All We Know Is Falling, I think it's criminally underrated as a record. I think that is one of the best pop punk debuts ever. Their debut, yeah, yeah. I think it's just criminally underrated. Yeah, I think people were quite sniffy. So this is we've moved on to your, your number two pick, which is Paramore mm-hmm. Riot, which is Paramore's incredible 
second album Riot. Um, may may is... may I just say you can tell that Nels is a professional. I mean the the segue <laughs> of that. I mean that was, was unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah, was, was I mean smooth. you can tell he's the BBC. It's like oh, oh yeah, man. oh yeah. Sorry. So go on. So yes, yeah, so Riot came out in 2004. So what age were you then? Secondary school. Uh, no, uh, two, 2007. 2007. I was sorry. 11. 2007. My mistake. Yeah, I was 11 years old. Still, I mean, that's impressive. I mean, that's, that's very impressive to me. You know, I mean, again, I mean, I think I was moving I slightly more into you. What? I, 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 I. Well, that was the year I graduated from drama school. So yeah, I was 21, 22. I can't remember. 22, 23. Yeah. Oh, so so, so, yeah. Stop making me feel old. I was working music at the time, and um, 2007. I remember when this came out very clearly because it was i think like you said now was the first record i don't think kind of got its dues i think they were super young and i think a lot of the story that sort of came out from those was they're on a major they're christian a lot of the questions seem to be quite directed at Haley and about her being so young and about you know, being quite vocal about, you know, kind of protecting a virginity. I remember a bunch of kind of weird interviews and stuff about it. And I think because mm-hmm. of that, that first record, and it didn't have the money that they had with Riot and the videos kind of reflected that. And I think when, when they came out with with Riot, with Misery Business, it was like, hello, <laughs> hello, mm-hmm. ma- massive band <laughs> that will headline <laughs> Reading. On that tip, Nels, do you think that there was a little bit... Well, because I had a look at uh, the responses to this album critically, because I think now fans look back on this record, fans definitely seem to love this record. The critic response was mixed, I would say. I've got two... Was uh, it? Yeah, is, relatively. That... I, well, I, I have I have two quotes here. Uh, one posy, one neggy. The first one is from Jason Lyman Grover, who said the album is filled with crossover potential. The songs are consistent and zippy with catchy hooks in the vein of boys like girls fronted by young Shirley Manson. I think that's pretty decent. On the other end of the spectrum, we have Gareth Dobson at Drowned in Sound, who said... Gareth! I know Gareth. He's now a music manager. Hello, Gareth. Okay. Uh, Well, he said, at 38 minutes long, it's mercifully brief, but still manages to feel like a double album for those who endure it. That is, those who don't manage to forget that it's on the stereo at all. People get your pop punk thrills somewhere else, at least somewhere where there are actual thrills to be had. Oh, dear. Um, Do you think there was a little bit of snobbishness at play from certain sectors of the music critic uh, canon? You know what? I think, I think if Riot was released in 2023, it would have been a multi-platinum album, and I feel like mm. people would have taken it and run with it, and they would have been the best thing since sliced bread, and they would have like been playing the Roundhouse on their first UK tour if Riot was released in 2023. I feel like our listening habits as people um, have de- have definitely changed over the years. I feel like we've become a lot more. And this should never have had to have been the case. Let me just preface by saying that. But I feel like our listening, like our listening habits as a nation, have become a lot more tolerant of listening to women, especially in rock music. And as a result, in two thousand and seven, I don't think we were as tolerant. And it's even something mm-hmm. I'm kind of noticing now. Like there's certain artists that I play on Future Alternative, and I, I don't know if you listen to my shows or not. But I don't know if it's deliberate or just subconscious. But there's always more female 
musicians in my show than males, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I really think had had this album been released a lot later, it would have been like pushed to the moon. And I feel like we were maybe hypercritical of such an album. You got to remember the guys were really young when they released this record, you know? Yeah. Like very young. Maybe I want to say like late teens, maybe early twenties. That's you know, what um, I thought. Yeah, yeah, I don't know their exact ages, but I think it is around that. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And to write a body of work like that at such a young age was, in in my opinion, phenomenal. And you know, I don't think they missed a beat on that album. But that's just my opinion. That's the beauty of yeah. music. We can all have different opinions about it. Yeah. So, as I mentioned before, in 2007, I was graduating drama school and I was a very poor student, um, didn't have an internet connection for the majority of my uh, drama schooling. And as a result, didn't really have my head in the music game at all. But I did see Paramore in the cover of Kerrang! and stuff like that. And I kind of looked at it and just went, that looks like a band that probably isn't for me. And... In some aspects, I was right, but in quite a lot of aspects, and actually in most aspects, I was completely wrong, as a matter of fact. And I used to do a show called Riot Act, and we um, reviewed Haley's solo albums that she did over COVID, and really, really enjoyed them. And I remember a lot of the listeners saying that we should probably check out some of the Paramore stuff. You know, there was a good chance that we'd like it. I got round to doing that. I'm, I'm really pleased you chose this, actually, because... The first time I ever heard this album in full was probably about a month before we got your email. Because over the Christmas period and January, I have gone in on Paramore's entire discography. And I like it way more than I thought. I, I'm going to be totally honest here and say I prefer the later stuff to the early stuff. I'm, I'm really enjoying the new record, actually. I'd like to get your views on that in a moment. Mm -hmm. But, you know, yeah, I had listened to it for the first time over the new year, more or less. So it was quite uh, fortuitous that you chose this record. But, you know, I, I think this period of Paramore maybe isn't aimed at me and my tastes. But... In terms of that sort of Avril Lavigne, Kelly Clarkson style thing, I mean, one of these reviewers did actually name check those two artists. This is like an album full of Since You've Been Gone's or an album full of Skater Boys or something like that. I don't feel like Kelly Clarkson or Avril Lavigne maybe released one great record full of those songs, mm. whereas Riot feels like it is. I, I, I will say personally, I think Brand New Eyes... It is Brand New Eyes, the next one, isn't it? I think Brand New Eyes does what Riot does better, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. But obviously I'm coming to it, you know, I don't have the nostalgia for it and all that kind of thing. I've literally listened to this six weeks ago. <laughs> you know? But yeah, 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 I, I think this is a really cool record. I really, really enjoy this. A misery business. I mean, it's been said a million bloody times, but what an incredible song. Like, that is a brilliant... I think of a song of that type, I think it's perfect. The singles are good, but I love... I mean, I love this record. This is my... Second favourite Paramore record, I think, I'd say. Oh, wow. Wow. I love Paramore. Uh, I agree with you, Nels. So 2007, so I'd been working in music as a PR for a few years, and I don't think I'd worked with any act with any women in it at all, um, you know, at that point. And wow. Now, yeah, That's yeah. astonishing. Well, I mean, it was just this landscape, which is, you know. Yeah. And then it's, mm -hmm. This is what I mean. And the issue was, with Par when Paramore came out... And through to then, through to now, from 2004 you know, or five, whatever the first record came out, to now, every single band that has female vocals is compared to Hayley Williams. And it's 
insane how because so she, unfair and, comparison and, and, isn't it well yeah completely because she's she's it being is. compared to pop artists because those are the only comparisons they had at the time yeah. but a song as good as hallelujah which is my favorite song on the record it's just you know it it it's not pop punk it's not rock it's just a it's just an incredible song and i think you're right i think at the time people were sniffy about the genre they were sniffy about a female vocalist i mean you know this even now in 2023 people have to remind people like me to not send press releases out saying female fronted because mm-hmm. it's just yeah it's just bonkers on that you know being compared to Hayley Williams imagine going to your local park and kicking a football and being compared to Thierry Henry it just doesn't make sense does it <laughs> do you know what I mean no like, no I mean I think it was um I think it was was it Venom Prison I mean, it was. It's basically every single band that has a female singer seems to be compared to Paramore. Rolo, it's just unfair. Regardless yeah. of what they sound like, regardless. I worked with a band called Dream State, and their old singer CJ, who is an amazing vocalist, um, and a, and she would scream and shout and 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 you know sing with a clean. And the first track, first thing they did, you know, was screaming all over it. And because there was a little bit of singing straight away, Haley Williams, and it was just like. It's almost as if it's used as a negative, and mm. I don't understand mm. why. Just because, oh, we don't need another Haley Williams. Like it's just an, it's just like another vocalist. Like you have to get past it. And yeah, I mean, I, I feel ashamed. The landscape at that time was was ridiculous. Um, and That's I'm sure crazy. every band currently working, you know, from against the current, through to. Whoever I think it's it will will say at some point they've been compared to <laughs> Barrymore and Hayley Williams. It's bonkers. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I love this record. I totally love this record. And then um, when you chose it, it gave me a real. I mean, it was the anniversary recently as well, and they did a nice repress on vinyl. And uh, yeah, it was um, a really mm-hmm. good excuse to kind of listen to it. And they're Paramore are a band that might. So I've got two daughters that I talk about a lot on this podcast. <laughs> Uh, one is nearly seven and one's just turned four. And the four-year-old loves Paramore. And her in was Misery Business. And now she's, you know, she has a playlist called Josie's Jams that every time she hears a song she likes, we <laughs> stick it on. And this is why it's like the number one. I mean, apart from My Little Pony and Imagine Dragons, obviously. <laughs> but apart from them, Paramore, this is why is, is, uh, is, uh, is the banger. Is this your favourite Paramore album, Nels? You know, it was a very important record for me and probably my favourite record of the noughties for Paramore. But at the same time, I have to pay homage, love and respect to their 2013 self-titled album because... That's my favourite. Exactly. You know, after them going... (laughs) After them going, like, taking some extended time off, you know, Zach and, and Josh left the band you know, like, that whole saga. And not only, like, it wasn't a private saga, it was played out in front of all of our eyes, which must have been so much more painful Mm. than we could imagine. Imagine living your life but everybody else knows what's going on, and that's not an easy thing to have happen, especially when it concerns your livelihood and your art and things that you love. You know, for them to come back with that album, not only that, that album, that headline tour, you know, I saw them twice on that tour. I saw them play the iTunes Festival, and then I saw them play Wembley, and then oh, the Paramore at the Roundhouse would have been fantastic. Incredible! Yeah. It was my first time ever seeing them. 
Wow. My first time ever seeing them, and it was just so mm. special. So on, so, on so that special. on that album as well. I mean, yes. Yeah. I mean, look, I think they're. I think most of their albums don't have many bad songs, but that that I mean, it's, I think it's a hat trick of our favorite Power Records. But I mean, I'm fast in my car to start with that song, to go all the way through. I mean, it's just. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just a fucking great record. Wow, it's what a great incredible first, first, record. first album to see live. Exactly. You know, to see them twice on that tour and then for them to go and win a Grammy, like their first Grammy, hopefully not their last, their first Grammy because of this record as well. Like the stars just aligned for them on that record. So, you know, I, lo- I love Riot and I definitely think it is one of the most important albums of the noughties. But, you know, I do think that Paramore's self-titled in 2013 was incredible as well. I mean, we're all agreed that the self-titled is our favourite, but in terms of which is more important, it probably mm. is this record, isn't it? So, yes, I think that's a fair fair shout. Uh, your views on the new record? Yeah, is, is this yeah I love it. Um, you know, I was lucky enough to even work with Hayley on um, the Everything is Emo podcast Sweet. that she did for BBC Sounds. Which, which is um, fucking awesome. And if you haven't listened to you. it, they're all up and they are fucking, it's, they're brilliant. So good, so good. You know, the new album, again, the band's gone through another kind of metamorphosis. It feels like they're this time they're unafraid to be anything other than their most true selves. So, you know, I'm I'm really glad to see them do what they do and, and take it to that higher level. And I'm just elated to see them back at their best. And I can't wait to see them on tour. I think it's great. I mean, I can't believe you you could remember the name of it. They, this is why it's literally been everywhere for the last yeah. four months. Like it's been played in this house literally a hundred times. It's wicked. I <laughs> love it. I loved her debut. I loved her solo record. I loved After Laughter, which is the record from 2017. I I thought that was the first time After where laughter. After Laughter. Uh, that was the that was a real sort of like. For me, that record was a real... This is probably a Paramore loving. But for me, that record was that moment where they didn't really care too much about having guitars in a traditional Paramore way. They played around with a lot more 70s, you know, early 80s kind of influences, talking heads, you know, that sort of, you know, and it was just... That album is is so, so wonderful. Um, Yeah, this is why it's great. I think it's one of my favourite... I mean, it's February so let's see but it's it's definitely in my top 10 records so far that i've heard this year i think i'm also i'm also always incredibly impressed by hayley williams as a human i think um i think you know all despite all of the stuff that you know you've just said as well nels you know having to go through all of that i think she just she seems incredibly on it and honest and smart and creative and she's always talking about other music and other things that she loves and yeah i just you know she just seems so unapologetically unafraid of of embracing stuff and i think that's as for an artist i think that's that's awesome and she never seems like she's cross or never seems like she's angry all of the shit that's been thrown at her the last 15 20 whatever years um i think she's a really incredible artist and yeah I'm really chuffed. I'm really happy that you you you, you brought Riot because I've not listened to it for ages. So mm-hmm. I've just I've been listening. I've listened to it like 20 times this week. It's just so much fun. I mean, that's what you get. Crush, crush, crush. I mean, that just just bangers, absolute bangers. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, from working with, uh, I just want to touch on something you said about her listening to other music. It was the same when I was working with her. She was on top of her music game. She knew that like, she brought me bands 
that I didn't know about that I ended up playing on Future Alternative because they were so good. You know, I, I wasn't aware of bands like Lime Garden, you know, and like Horror Obsession with Wet Leg as mm. well. And just mm. not like, she knows talent when she sees it as well. So yeah, she's, she's so switched on. And to be honest with you, probably one of the most fascinating minds in music that I've ever had the opportunity to work with. One of the things that kind of turned me on to Paramore, or at the very least made me go, oh, maybe there's more to them than I thought, was Haley's obsession with Failure, who are a band who I absolutely adore. And um, she name checks them all the time. I think she did a Failure cover with Paramore. I can't remember. I might be making that up. But, you know, I thought that was really cool. And I was like, damn, if if 10 Paramore fans listen to Failure as a result of, Par of, of Haley talking about them all the time, that's awesome. <laughs> you know, um, that's a really, really cool thing. So, yeah. Shall we move on to your final choice? We're staying in uh, 2007, I believe. Yeah, so choice, my final choice is a bit of a curveball, but I feel like everybody, if you listen to alternative music, everybody has one of these. And I spoke about the rabbit hole earlier. This is about the point where I got lost in the rabbit hole and I found something that I truly enjoyed, even if my friends and the people around me and the people that, you know, love this music didn't know about, you know, it was, it was my thing to, to enjoy, not to gatekeep, but to just, you know, like I really resonated with this and other people that were in my circles didn't really resonate with them, you know, um, I've not kept up with the band too much since this record and I've never had the opportunity to see them live, but I feel that this record for me shaped my listening, not only my listening habits, but it also shaped, you know, what I like and just the way that I consume music on a day-to-day -day basis. And it's Before Their Eyes and their self-titled record. And this record for me, I think the only way to listen to this record, and I don't think this is true for every record, but I think the only way to listen to this record is like without shuffling it from start to finish. It has to be like, it felt like it was very deliberately made in a certain order for us to listen to the music in, in that way. And it takes us on a real journey. The fact that they weren't the biggest band, but they spared no expense throughout the record, you know, using like orchestral instruments in it. You can hear violins throughout many of the, the songs and it just takes you on so many twists and turns. And for me, it was a really, this was when I knew like, okay, I've, I've, I've scratched the surface level with Paramore and Lincoln Park and, you know, like My Chemical Romance and Blink-182, but now I'm getting deeper. I'm getting into what I really love and what I really enjoy. And that's why this record is so important to me. Wow. So how did you discover them? That's a very good question. Um, I think it was at the bottom of a YouTube binge in like 2009 mm. or something. You know, one of my other loves is um wrestling. And I think somebody used it as like the background to a wrestling video. And from that, I searched up the song and that was it. Matt. Hello. Had you heard this record before? No, I'd never heard the record, never heard the, of the band. Neither had I. And I did some research and I think, was it the guitarist went on and is in A Plot In You? Is that right? But no, I, I, so. I did Yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't know the band or the record at all. No, which is surprising because I know everything. No, um, <laughs> you know. I think discovering music that way, not necessarily on a YouTube thing or what's or wrestling, but discovering music for yourself however that is you know be on a random playlist or you know 
when I was younger, someone would give you a cassette mixtape or mix CD, or whatever. I think that's. I think when you find something that really resonates with you, without kind of external, too much external knowledge about who they are or what they are, I think those are those real special bands. I think for for you as a kind of person, I've got I've got a bunch of them, um, and I think people listening to this will obviously be surprised that you haven't gone with a larger name especially after the first two larger names you know you haven't gone with a green day or a queens of the stone age or a or whatever um my chemical romance or blink but um you, you know i i very much could have done but i felt like let me and i didn't do this just to be different or just to you know like make a, a bigger deal out of it but i i just felt if I'm being true to myself, what was I listening to back in 2007, back in 2009? So this is the same year, right? Before, like when you discovered Before the Rise, or when you saw when you first listened to them, it was the same year. Like so I discovered, I discovered this in like 2009. Okay. Even though it was the, the album was actually released in 2007, okay. like I could have gone for Skillet, I could have gone for Sick Puppy. There's so many avenues I could have gone down, but I don't know. It's just one of those records that just stuck with me. So. Yeah. But I, I, you know, I think, but like I said, I think that's, I think that's cool. I think if someone asked me what, mm -hmm. you know, my top three albums of the nineties, I think one of them would be one that would be very not a top one because you want to represent who you are as a person and your musical journey, you know, as, as, as kind of cringy as that may sound, you want to, you don't want to just say the three biggest records or the three records that everyone knows or the three critically you know, the three of the best, you, you know, because you want to put something forward that is, like I said, reflective of your own musical taste and where you kind of started when you listened to sort of alternative music that helped shape who you kind of then later on became and your kind of tastes and your, you know, um, yeah, your musical interests. No, absolutely. I mean, yeah, music for me has almost always been synonymous with like sport and, you know, more specifically combat sports or like professional wrestling. Like that's how I discovered Limp Bizkit, you know, like watching WWE back in the day. So I wasn't surprised that I resonated with another record because I'd found it on YouTube at the bottom of a YouTube binge. But you said, you know, you were surprised that I didn't go with a bigger one. And I very much could have done, I think. But also I feel that, this was me showing that I'd, I'd gone to another level with this. It wasn't just a hobby. Like, it wasn't just, oh, like a phase, as people call it. I really was in this, and I was in this for the long run, and that was me discovering this album, even if none of my friends liked it. Because I don't think any of my friends that liked alternative music did. You know, I think this was the one album where they were like, what, like, are you bonkers? Like, what is this? But it, it just meant so much to me. And it, it, it was because... I feel like the album to me really takes me on a journey. But even then, tonally, I feel like the themes that the album deals with, like in film feelings of isolation and all of that, you know. Um, I kind of had a, a difficult time in secondary school, so it spoke to me a lot. So, yeah, that's that's another reason for why I enjoy it so much. Is it an album that you've kind of gone back to kind of since? I mean, 2009, so, yeah, you were a few more years past... Uh, mm -hmm. you know, into secondary school. So is this a kind of a record? I know you said you haven't really listened or kind of kept in touch with um, what they've been up to, but mm -hmm. is it a record you kind of go back to still? Yeah, this record itself, I go back and listen to this record quite frequently 
but I don't, I haven't listened to anything else that the band have done. Now, I don't know if that's fear <laughs> of me loving this record so much that I feel like I don't know if I'm going to like anything else that they do, but I can't describe how important this record is to me. I'm kind you of know? forming this thought as you guys are talking, so I have no idea if what's about to come out of my mouth is Uh-oh. totally B- BS. I've heard, this, I've heard, I've heard that <laughs> sentence before, Renfrey, and it normally ends in disaster <laughs> well do feel free to uh to to say it is bs if you think so but i think that sense of ownership is really important to music fandom and you could almost suggest and i'd like to do this without gatekeeping i'm really pleased you said you know you sort of discovered this record and tried to share it with people not in a gatekeepy way but i think once you find a band which you really, really, really connect to, but maybe others around you don't, I think that's almost a sign that you are a music fan then, as opposed mm-hmm. to just a casual listener, because you've obviously gone to some effort to seek something out which isn't necessarily just being dished up or served up on the radio or on um television or whatever whatever sources that casual music listeners get their music taste from you know and and i hope that doesn't sound gatekeepery but i think i I think you could argue that that discovery of something which you really respond to could be you know it's like losing your virginity it's like you are now a music fan (laughs) you know i don't know maybe that's a little too portentous i don't know but yeah oh yeah i feel like um I don't know. I don't quite know how to answer that. I don't think, but um, <laughs> no, no, none, of, none of us do, Nels. None of us do. Um, you can, you can be like it's total BS. No, I don't know what you're. Do talking you know what about. I mean? Like, I, I don't, I don't ever want to. I, I never wanted to gatekeep them. But if anything, to me, I think what what makes me think about this band and there's another band as well um, called the Drama Club, who I discovered in similar circumstances, and they only ever released one EP. Well, it's, it's weird. They released a, a Greatest Hits album in 2005 and then they released an EP in 2007 called The Drama Club. And those are the only two things that they have on Spotify. So it's a bit bizarre. But anyway, um, for me, especially with what I'm doing now in my career, to me, it serves as like a warning and a reminder because I know there are so many talented bands that I love and that I want to see succeed that I don't want to end up like these bands i I mean that with the greatest respect every band that i play on radio one i want to see them succeed i want to see them you know fill out you know brixton and and the roundhouse and wherever you know i want to see them play huge shows and go on tour overseas why would you play them on radio one if you didn't want that exactly we're we're all in this business because we want to see bands that we like succeed at the end Mm -hmm. of the day no, oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Um, not to get on our high horses or anything, but yeah. No, of course, absolutely <laughs> not. I, I guess the point that I'm trying to make is, you know, these two records, be it the Drama Club and be before the, you know, before their eyes, it just kind of serves as a reminder of like, this is such a great record, but it just didn't work out for them for whatever reason, yeah, and that's okay, yeah. but it's just it's just a shame at the same yeah. time. Yeah, you know, as a PR, so many times. I come across an artist or a band and I get that feeling, you know, like something's going to happen here. And sometimes, you know, like I work with Bob Villain, sometimes it does. And I've worked with Bring Me The Horizon and Bullet For My Valentine and you, 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 you know, you're, you're right. And then other times, for whatever reason, 
it doesn't and it's gutting it's absolutely gutting and some of those bands and some of those albums i still go back to like a bunch of times um there's a band that i adore that you i know you know as well brentfree called Tellison, and i i think they're they're an incredible band and uh you know i'm sure they wouldn't mind me saying but they're still very 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 small you know four albums in and i think it's so important to have this as a kind of reminder to yourself and also just to vocalize it on a podcast that you have to really when you find something you like you've really got to cherish it because it ain't going to be there forever especially Mm -hmm. not if if other people don't gravitate towards it so true that feels like a really somber note to end on. <laughs> Can we like end on a joke or something? No, no, no. But hey, listen. There's, there's also a shitload of bands that do get played and they do get massive and they do. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's, 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 there's loads. It's just, it's just sad. I think, you know, personally sad for you as a human, one as a human, when you do come across a band and nothing kind of happens because, you know, I guess. As humans, you kind of want more. You want them. You do want when you, especially when you discover, you want other people to realize and and discover what you think and what you find so special in in something. You know, yeah. Um, yeah I mean, I've got so many. I've got, there's a band called Slow Readers Club, um, and they released a record, and um, it's not even on Spotify. A friend of mine sent it to me, like MP3s. He's never released anywhere. It's just literally on his Bandcamp or whatever. And it's one of the greatest albums I've ever listened to, and no one's ever heard of it. And it's just, yeah, it's just, it is such a shame when that sort of happens. But also, you know, I guess to end on a positive before we move on, it is also great because you'll always have it. Like maybe they didn't go on, maybe they went off and did other cool shit afterwards, but at least you'll always have that band and that album. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it has just occurred to me i feel i feel like i'm doing a little bit of uh selfish cross promotion here but it has just occurred to me that over the christmas period i actually made a spotify plist but uh, plist playlist <laughs> <laughs> plist goodness me bloody lover plist bloody lover plist <laughs> i hope that catches on uh anyway sure. um and the playlist is called bands that don't exist anymore that never got their dues and i actually shared it on spotify uh, no on, on spotify on twitter and asked people to add to it which i you know have done um and it's uh 50 songs at the moment i mean i might go back to it and uh, i'll put it up in the show notes because there is there's a hell of a lot of amazing music in this playlist and i'd invite anyone i might make it public and maybe uh, invite people to contribute to it we've got like black peaks here tall ships her name is color talons adebishi shank aerogram your code name is milo racket cannon arcane roots me without you fair to midland wild throne i mean yeah um so i'll throw that i'll throw a link up to that in the show notes and we can all celebrate Ah, bands that should have been bigger than they were. <sighs> nice. Mm-hmm. I was just going to ask you, Remfrey, if you had some some albums from the noughties that were maybe not your top three, but if you had some proper albums in the back of your brain for this chat that oh, you may man. have, you know, you may have spoken about if you were asked. Um, oh, you've put me on the spot slightly. I mean, I know. Yes, I have. Um, I know. I know that I voted Caspian's Dust and Disquiet my favorite album of the tens so i suppose that would have to get a shout i absolutely i'm gonna give a shout out to oceanside 
because I can and I do and I love them and I will. So I'd say Oceanside's first album. Yeah, I'm going to give a shout out to one of your bands. I think Arcane Roots, uh, their debut album, um, Blood and Chemistry, is an absolute cracking record. But I could name 20, 30, 40, to be honest. Lovely. Lovely. What about you? <laughs> um, probably Relationship of Command at the drive-in. Oh, yeah alternative that's the thing like alternative rock because otherwise i'd go into radiohead wilco strikes yeah. vibe but, yeah um i think system of down toxicity as well yeah. yeah yeah and then um i've got no idea but those those two <laughs> and, and other things there's been so much there's been so much great music and that seems like a good opportunity and a posy note to go over to recommendation corner hooray we managed it just about I'm going to go first, I think, because I have purposefully chosen an alternative album to talk about in Recommendation Corner this week. Um, I have chosen an album which came out, I think it came out in 2019, and I completely missed it. And judging by their presence on social media platforms and monthly listens and stuff, I think most people missed it, which is a real shame. It's an album by a band called Greet Death. The album itself is called New Hell. I'm holding up the cover for Nels and um, Matt to the camera. I appreciate this as an auditory medium, but... Um, I mean, it's, it's f- it looks like someone threw up in black and white. Yeah, <laughs> that's, it's, what it, it's, that's what it looks like. It's full of bodies, and uh, this, this album is released on Death Wish, so all of these things are making it sound like this is going to be a really heavy, skull-crushing album. And to be honest with you, no, it's not. It's, it is a heavy album, but it's also incredibly melodic. I was trying to describe it to Matt before you came onto the chat, Nels, and I sort of came up with, like, it sounds a bit like this new band, Holy Fawn, that I'm absolutely uh, adore at the moment, but also with echoes of, like, Neutral Milk Hotel and Sunnydale Real Estate. There's kind of shoegazy elements, but also emo elements that are mixed in as well. And... I've honestly never heard it combined in this way before. They have a couple of vocalists in the band, and I was saying to Matt before you came on that one of them sounds a bit like Stevie Nicks from Fleetwood Mac, you know? Um, And this is just an incredible album, which I have not been able to stop listening to in the past sort of two or three months when I discovered it on, I think it was Brooklyn Vegan, actually. I think it was an article that they had, so shout out to them. But this is just an incredible album. Really heavy, really beautiful, quite dark, melancholy, you know, very sad and mopey, which Matt teased me about again before we came on the call. Because I like sad, mopey music. I'm not going to lie to you, Nels. But, you do. Um... You, bloody love a, you bloody love a man cry. You bloody love it. Yeah. I mean, look, I know what I like. Do you know what? That's a good thing. I, I, I respect it. I do. Yeah. I really yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. I can't. Oh, man. I would love it so much if you listened to this record and then played a track on Future Alternative. I don't know if it would work (laughs) but i would love it if you did but hey we'll see uh i won't hold you to anything this isn't a country um now let's move over to your choice for recommendation corner yeah so my choice for recommendation corner was a it was an ep by a band called late 90s it's called everything is closer than it seems and it was released last year in november okay um late 90s come from perth western australia I discovered them um, at the bottom of a Spotify binge 
and I just messaged the guys. I, I discovered they were on um I think it was Best New Rock, and I discovered them and I messaged the guys like, hey, listen, I really dig your stuff. I really want to play it on BBC Radio One, so can you please send me over the WAV file? And they didn't. <laughs> they were you know great and lovely about it. What an email to get. I love your stuff. Can I play you on BBC Radio One? There are so I'm many. That's a, good, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good day email, isn't it? That's a good day email. The power. Listen, you I have. just want to be. No, not even. I just want to be as approachable as possible. Because at the end of no, the day, awesome. I'm just a. Awesome. I'm just a. I'm just a lover of music, yeah. and I think that's that's what I will always be, you know, first and foremost. So, you know, I emailed the guys and I played them a few times. I actually crowned them my favorite discovery of 2022. Okay. I sent it over to Matt and Haley because I loved it so uh-huh. much, and it's I really awesome. do think that you know, I really do think that these guys are the future. Yeah, since then, I can safely say as well, this is what I love about music, is that I'm now really good friends with some of these guys, like, in the <laughs> band. Like, we talk almost every day, you know, I really believe in their music and what they're doing. I've passed it on to everybody that I know and that will shout about it. And I really hope that they get the flowers that they deserve. So, yeah, that's my recommendation. If you want to check it out, Late 90s, the EP is called Everything is Closer Than It Seems, and it's on Spotify and all your other streaming platforms right now. That's perfect. Yeah, it's wicked. It's wicked. When Nell sent it to me, I think I replied like I listened to it and I replied like straight away, being like, "What? Hello? Who's this? So come on, come on!" And uh, yeah, like I sent it to James Scarlett, who books Two Thousand Trees, and said, "I mean, I don't know if they can mm-hmm. afford to come over." But Listen, so, they, they, they so were trying good. to get over here for the Great Escape, so I'm I'm pretty sure anything's in their wheelhouse, man. Oh, okay. They'll they'll try their best. Cool. Wow. Did you put your money where your mouth is, and are you PRing it, Matt, or uh, or are you not allowed to say? <laughs> no, 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 no. I know. Well, I'm, I'm not. I've, I'm not. I've, but I listened to. I since Nels has sent the EP, like it's on my repeat yeah. playlist on Spotify. <laughs> and I, ma- I make. I've got a, ne- a nephew called um, Arlo, and he's. God, sorry, Arlo. Eleven? No, ten? No, nine? Anyway, he's 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 young, and um, every week. I send him a playlist of 10 songs uh, and I've been doing it for like a year. I think he's, he's got a mobile phone now, um, but with his mum and dad on as well, my sister. And um, I think I put three of the songs from the EP on playlists the last like two, two or three months. Mm-hmm. Just like, you know, you don't need me to keep adding songs to the playlist. You should just go and listen to the EP. Yeah. It's really, really good. Yeah. Awesome recommendation. Nice. Wicked bad. Nice. Go on then, Matt. Tell us your recommendation this week. Okay. So for this week's RC, as I've never called it, and we'll probably never call it <laughs> again, it um, <laughs> I'm going to choose something that is neither new or really something that no one has heard of. It's incredibly very popular probably the most popular things i've ever recommended so far the bible but it's the it's it's air it's really it's air and water they're both really good um no it's the walking dead graphic novel series um so i finished reading this back in 2019 but i've just started reading again this month rereading it and it's just because it's finished now or it finished Mm. you know 2019 and it's just brilliant and i just wanted to talk about how incredible i'm a comic book boy i'm i'm a proper nerdy geeky comic guy and i just wanted to shout about how incredible it is compared to the slightly rubbish television show which yeah. never seems to end it goes on and on and on and it it pains me i'm glad you um, said that because um because a lot of 
I mean, I'm, I, yeah, I'm apologising in advance if it's your favourite show, Nels. Um, but but a lot of people do go on about how great the Walking Dead TV series is, and I find it very. It started great. It started, Look, it started I great. I could never get into it. Yeah, It did start brilliantly, it, and it, then it became very boring and very ponderous very quickly. It leans into drama too much for me. Mm. But look, mm. just in case anybody doesn't fucking know what The Walking Dead is, <laughs> um, it's an American post-apocalyptic comic book series by a guy called Robert Kirkman and Tony Moore. started in 2003 on Image Comics, who are awesome. Image Comics are my favourite comic um, publishers. It ran for 193 um, comics uh, issues and then the writer just stopped it in 2019 essentially saying something like i just didn't know where else to write i d- I'd, I'd created all the stories for these characters and mm. i just didn't know where else to go mm. which i totally respect yeah yeah just you know what i mean if you if you don't know what to do and if you just yeah. like rinsing out things just just leave yeah. it um it focuses on rick grimes who's a kentucky deputy who's shot in the line of duty and then he wakes in a zombie apocalypse <laughs> what a sleep that is um and he sort of goes off and finds people and then a lot of stuff happens. Let's just say stuff, <laughs> a bunch of stuff. Um, now, look, I think the real beauty of, of The Walking Dead and the comics is the writing, which is why I much prefer it to the TV series. I guess it takes what would normally be seen as a bit silly because zombies, I mean, zombies are a bit silly, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> fucking silly. Yeah. Um, and it gives it so much gravitas and weight and reality and the characters are so well written um some are fantastical but the story is just, just amazing um the arcs are interesting they're rarely obvious and i really love the ending um i think they ended it in such a perfect way um it's all in black and white as well they've redone it in color because i don't fucking know why <laughs> but they, 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 the originals are in black and white and it's just it just seems so classic um yeah again not new and i'm sure everyone knows it but the walking dead comics are amazing and if you've not read them and you've just seen the tv show just go and get them i think it's like 32 graphic novels and um and they're they're gorgeous and they're they're brilliant well just as a bonus recommendation to tail onto that my favorite i i haven't read the comics and um uh, and i will try to based on that but um my favorite walking dead thing by a million billion trillion miles is the telltale game series which you know just to shout that out because have you played the telltale game series Matt? have i <laughs> yes <laughs> I, I cried i cried at the end of it yes as did i There's are a... you a gamer nels yeah i'm a gamer um funny you say that because i've i, I played the last of us i want to say <sighs> over christmas uh... and obviously they've i replayed it over christmas mm. and they've just released mm. yeah you know the TV series, which I think is absolutely fantastic at the moment. So, yeah, yeah, Qu- quite good television. <laughs> I haven't seen episode six yet, so no, 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 no. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just done. Th- I've just done three. I've just done the okay. third episode, which is which oh is man, quite, quite, quite simply one of the best TV episodes I've ever seen. I think mm. it's just amazing. That's about 50 recommendations in Recommendation Corner this week. (laughs) Nels, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast to talk about your top three alternative albums of the noughties. It has been emotional. Thank you so much for having me. You know, I'm I'm just grateful to be here, grateful to be actually seen as somebody you could talk to about stuff like this. It's still oh. surreal to me. So thank you. Oh, oh, we're delighted to have you. Thank you, man. Like, no, of course you are. Yeah, of course you are. That's fantastic. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys.
have it. That was Nels Hilton on his top three alternative albums of the noughties. Matthew, have you mm. got any top three Tuesdays for my ear pleasure? Ear <laughs> pleasure. Oh dear. For your ear pleasure, Christ alive. <laughs> That's an image that will burn deep within my brain this evening. Yes, I I do. think ear pleasure is quite a good name for a band. Ear pleasure is a fantastic name for a... Thank you. An, a sort of an agit punk noughties, <laughs> no, 90s... <laughs> Mid nineties, uh, industrial yeah. metal band. Yeah, I think it's good. Yeah. All right. Uh, thank you for asking. I do indeed. Um, so this week on Tuesday top three, it was a topic chosen by my wife Katie Parsons. Oh, Parsons. here she is. Yeah. Uh, and her pick was top three things to put on toast. Oh, good. Very nice. Yeah. Very on brand uh, for the for the yes. KP. Yes, and I did say I will also accept toasted sandwich fillings or any toasted bread products, mm-hmm. stuff, things. Mm-hmm. And this was incredibly popular. Wow. And yes, it was. So I'm not going to read all of them. Okay. So we're just going to get to a, get to a point where we're like, we've had enough. Uh, and was, there's also a lot of repetition. Okay. Uh, which surprised me a little bit. So Andy Foster, hello, Andy. He went with beans with Worcester sauce and cheese. Oh, yeah. Lovely. Number two. Now, brace yourself for this one. Okay. Jam and Dairy Lee. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fine. There we go. Yeah. He said, don't knock it till you've tried it. And I have to I have to be honest, I haven't tried it yet, Andy. I'm not that sure I ever will. <laughs> but I guess as, as, as a fan of the podcast, number one, I love you. Hello. Number two, you're great. <laughs> you know, I love you. Number three, you seem like a, a, a brilliant person because you listen to this podcast. Uh, so I'm not going to argue with you. So, you know, well done. Number two. Great. I'm hesitating because I know you're going to ask me and I have a very yeah. unusual one that I really, really like, which was was uh, betrothed to be by my, my ex-girlfriend and an absolutely fantastic recipe, which I will go into a bit later. But yes. I mean, you're a man who puts kebab on a pizza. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. That is, sadly, that ex- is ecstatic to understand and hear you what on God's green earth you're going to put on toast. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, in Andy's number three is marmite and cheese. Just snuck that in there. D- grossness, as I've mm. said, all those lovely things about you, Andy. That's yeah. completely foul and completely wrong. Oh, I'm uh, so glad you're you? not a marmite fan. We haven't discussed this. I can't stand oh, marmite. Man. It's horrible. It's absolutely. It's just why. Come on. It's yeast extract. Um, you know, any anything that's an extra actually do you know what beer is forget well, yeah, it yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so my friend Jake Owens hello Jake uh, he's gone cheese obviously yep. Biscoff spread which I don't know Biscoff spread is fantastic there's uh, a type of biscuit called Biscoff and it's quite a it's a relatively sweet right sweet, sweet. yeah yeah it's yeah. absolutely lovely I mean absolute A star for the Biscoff uh, oh. the Biscoff spread is gorgeous um, and he's also gone super noodles. Oh, on toast. Yeah, so that's like going. It's like beans are too common for this man. <laughs> this beautiful, <laughs> lanky, bearded, bearded, not bearded, bearded man has gone with super noodles. I can't really comment because a regular meal, which I don't have now, really, but I had it a lot as a student was super noodles on potato waffles which surely 
in terms of nutritious value is as bad if not worse definitely worse isn't it so that's that's the most studenty thing i've ever heard it's damn uh, nice, and though. i did i did read super noodles and i replied to him saying i did read it as supermodels and i thought that's <laughs> but it's clearly not as super super noodles. should have gone spec savers the fantastic emma wilkes oh, hi, emma. the wonderful journalist and general all-round ray of sunshine yeah i bumped into gone, her last week yes she has got melted cheese which is absolutely Lovely. just going to put that out there. My number one well, melted cheese on toast is the greatest thing. It's a classic ever. It? It's classic. It's, it's amazing how how cheese tastes so much better melted than. than oh god, gotcha. yeah. Like I mean, what my lord. one of the great mysteries of the earth. Uh, number two, good old salted butter. Love salted butter. Lovely. As well. Yeah. And uh, number three, borsa. Borsa. Du pain du borsa. Ah, du borsa. Ah, wonderful friend and uh, future guest possibly who knows we normally reveal that at the end of the podcast but <laughs> god i'll just reveal it now next week's guest <laughs> Callahan from arc tangent festival she's gone marmite and fucking avocado marmite and avocado job. we did not know this jock before we spoke to you and if we did i feel like we would never have spoken to you and we'll never ever talk to you again that's absolutely disgusting certainly would not have invited you around to matt's house Nope, nope, nope. She's then gone peanut butter and cucumber. What? Come on now. What on earth? <laughs> and then finally, she's finished on cheese with alphabetti spaghetti. I mean, come uh, on now, Jock. I mean, that sounds fine. Uh, right, just going to do a few more because we're really dragging this one out. Uh, Kevin Ashburn. Hello, Kevin. Has gone number three, garlic butter. Number two, sharp cheddar and Henderson's. We're not entirely sure what that is. Cheese, I know, but. You know, and one Marmite. Get out of town. Disgusting. Out of town. Go away. Adam Vallely, the giant close to my and your heart, who is also <laughs> the simple man of the village, has gone <laughs> cheese melted and Marmite or Worcestershire. Uh, olive paste specifically from Greece. Biscoffy. More Biscoffy. Another Biscoffy. Mm. Stephen McDade has gone Marmite, avocado, poached egg. Boom. Mm. Uh, do you know what? I'm just gonna, there are loads. I'm just going to do one more. And it is actually Katie. Uh-huh. Uh, my Katie has gone salted butter, peanut butter, and butter with grated cheese and beans in that order. And that is this week's Tuesday Top 3. Thank you Katie. very much, everybody. Butter Parsons. Um. So, so yeah, you you tell me you tell me yours. What's your? It's called a special three? muffin. I believe it's my ex's grandmother's recipe, if I recall correctly. And um, it's the English muffin, the sort of you know toasted type, not the American chocolatey chippy one, with mango chutney. Yeah. And peanut butter mm. on the top, which does mm. form a sort of weird paste, but good God, is it a good paste? Mm. And then on top of that, you put cheese. And pop it under the oven for, you know, well, until the cheese is melted, basically. That is absolutely, I mean, the peanut butter, there's a sweetness, but then there's a tang to the mango chutney, which sort of offsets it and kind of, oh, so you got that sweet and sour thing going on. It's, it's gorgeous. And I heard about it and I was like, I don't like the sound of that. I was assured that I should try it and I, I, I still when I can be asked, regularly have them today. Delightful. I say when I can be asked, because it's, it's hardly a difficult thing to put together. The thing that is frustrating about it, <laughs> you put the mango chutney on and then putting the peanut butter on on top, trying to spread a spread on top of a spread. 
It's very difficult. It gets a bit messy. I feel like, I feel like you should start with the peanut butter as a base layer. That feels like a buttery layer that's quite thick and solid. Things can rest on top of it. There are we're people... Very deep, we're getting very deep into this, by the way. <laughs> there are people... This should, be the, this should be the main podcast, to be honest. There are people that do that, I think, including my ex, for ease. But I think... I'm, nice. I'm so nerdy with it. I think it tastes better if the peanut right. butter hits your palate first than the mango chutney. But oh, okay. hey, okay. there you go. Lovely. So Mar- also, marvelous. peanut butter mm. and honey with banana on top on toast is Fuck absolutely me, gorgeous. What on earth is just Jesus. It's, it's gorgeous. I'm telling you, it's gorgeous. Right. There we go. As Matt has already revealed, next week's guest is Jock from Arc Tangent Festival. And she, I don't need to talk about what she's, her top three is. We'll reveal that next week. Uh, but Zippity zip, zip, zip that. Zippy <laughs> zip, 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 zip your mouth. Zip. Zip it. I thought you were about zip. to go into Zippity Doodah. Zip. Zippity zip, 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 Great song from a quite troubling musical. Mm. Yes, so we will see you next week for more Songs of the South. Uh, no, no, no more Songs of the no South. More songs. <laughs> and uh, for our chat with Jock from Arc Tangent Festival. Thank you.